Oh, you know who's in it? Who? Owen. The the woman. The that woman. Does it. Yeah. She's Owen. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. The main bad guy. She's the main bad. She's guy? the main bad yeah. guy. She's the mother. Well, don't of the... spoil it. I can't watch it. Can me, totally you, watch you, it. You totally watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you know me. she's the bad guy from the moment she shows up. It's okay. the 80s. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she... How have you not seen this? Like, it's got all of the best things from the 80s in it. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Even More Mashed Up, Woo-hoo. a pop culture podcast featuring two professors talking about all things pop culture. I'm Patrick. And I am Alan. And we're happy to have you here today because it's, in many ways, a show like any other show. Because we're talking about... Hamilton. Are you suggesting that previous shows are all about me? If you listen, um, you know. That's literally what my notes say at the beginning. It looks like another show about Patrick, given you're oh. the only one who's seen the musical. So I'm in guessing. The room. So basically, we're going to jump up and down and rip apart Hamilton the musical in the same way we do Hamilton the person. Wow. Is that how you feel? So you f- <laughs> After the last show, yes. <laughs> you feel like all Hamiltons are the same then? Equal? Like you and Alexander Hamilton, more or less the same person. You're roughly on par. You and the musical, more or less the same. We're roughly person. on par. Really? Yeah. Really. So you would say you've accomplished as much as Alexander Hamilton had by your age. I mean, I haven't created a national banking system, but no, you haven't. Have you written as much as he has? Probably not. So how are you the same? We have the same last name. Oh, boy, oh, made. And yes. and now, are you related? Alexander in Hamilton, Patrick Lawrence Hamilton has the same number of syllables. Wow. <laughs> You know, Kennedy and Lincoln also have the same number yes, of symbols. Alexander and, and, and I are like the had Kennedy and Lincoln of Hamilton. With the other name, yes. So, so it yes, turns Lincoln out Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy, Kennedy had, had a secretary, secretary named Lincoln. Lincoln and yes. it all pulls it all, together. It all fits together. Yeah, history literally written by the cosmos lives in me. Stories. Yes, I'm like the personification of history. So, are you related to Alexander Hamilton? I don't know. <laughs> Don't care to find out. I, I, Hamilton's a fairly common name. Man, like, if you are half Vasco da Gama and half Alexander Hamilton, it would explain a lot. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It could explain. I mean, it explains how awesome I am. I'm gonna let you wrestle with that one. Awesome, awesome <laughs> creates awesome. There you go. There you go. So uh, we're gonna talk about Hamilton the musical. Hamilton the musical. Which, yes, I took a trip to New York on a recent weekend, and and among other no, things, no. saw the play on a birthday weekend. Yes, on my birthday. Yes, I saw so, Hamilton on the night of my 45th birthday. So you have seen Hamilton. Hamilton and Hamilton. I have not seen Hamilton. Rich again. Not here. Not here today. Replaced more than ably by Dan. Hopefully. Who's also not seen Hamilton, but knows the entire soundtrack front to back, back to front. Yep. It is a really fantastic soundtrack. I have heard bits and pieces coming out of Hope's Room, and it does sound like a very good soundtrack. Yeah. No, I just, yeah. I, just, I listen. I, I did. I usually don't listen to a soundtrack for a musical before I see it. Yeah. Uh, but Justin Nordstrom recommended that I do that for Hamilton. I think there's value in doing that. Yeah. Especially for Hamilton. Yeah. Though, actually, I, you know, like I listened to the soundtrack, I was like, I probably would have followed it fine. Um,. But yeah, it's, it's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. So as the one who's watched it, I assume you want to direct things. I have like a, a, the top 50 musicals from Ranker if we run out of time. Oh, okay. Because you know what I got. got some critics of it. Oh, my God. Oh, this, boy. this musical's been out how long? And you have numbers? I got numbers. It's, All right, what do you got? Woohoo! So do you know which <laughs> musical won the most Tony Awards ever? Hamilton. Cats. It is not Hamilton. Cats. It is not Cats. Um, Phantom. No. Evan Hansen. No. It's one that you... Oh, the the, uh, the the jungle one. No. Lion King? There you go. That's the one I was thinking of. No. In 
the jungle. Now, um, also, um, that song is not from. from What's it from? It's from the 1950s. The Lion Sleeps Tonight. It was just a song. So didn't they sing that in The Lion King? No. How no. do I know it then? It's just a very popular song. Really? You've really listened though. to a radio at some in point in time the in the last 50 years. The jungle, oh, because Ross sings it to his monkey on Friends. Yes, that's where I learned uh, it. Yeah. All right. A wee mo a Okay, so um, so wait, we're still guessing what's won the most awards. Yes. What musicals? Uh, Cabaret. No. Chicago. No. Has it been made into a film? Yes. Les Mis. No. Phantom of the Opera. No. Wicked. No. West Side Story. He's going down his top 50 list. Yes. No. West Side Story. Hamilton. No. Rent. <sighs> no. Book of Mormon. No. Sound of Music. No. Sweeney Todd. No. Fiddler on the Roof. No. Into the Woods. No. Hairspray. Why don't you no. tell Little us? Shop of Horrors. No. Cabaret. No. My Fair Lady. No. Chorus Line. No. Grease. No. Guys and Dolls. No. Annie. No. Beauty and the Beast. No. Rich Avita. if you're out there. Nope. All right, I give up. I, I, I think the joke <laughs> played itself out as Dan slumps over at the keyboard. Yeah. It's the producers. Really? What? Yeah, with Wait, 12. Oh, man. The producers with 12. Hamilton broke the record for most nominations. It had 16 nominations in 13 categories, but only came with away with a paltry 11 actual Tonys. Had you let me get to number 36 on my list, I would have gotten there. Right, because you know what? I was the one that stopped you from going further down coming. the list. Felt like I was being judged, so I quit. By Dan. Dan was judging you. I was judging Probably you. Probably fairly. You were literally rattling off musicals by number. How is that not something I would embrace? <laughs> Fair point. All right. So anyway, you said the please, producers. Please, please, stop the numbers. How many did the producers win? It won 12. Oh, so Hamilton was close. Yeah, Hamilton was one shot. And and again, a lot. they had like, I think for uh, one of the Tonys was like best feature actor. They had like three in that category for like Jefferson and the other characters. So, so they couldn't have won really. I think, I think, it, I think they would have had to come pretty close to sweeping like every category. And even then, I'm not sure. Because both, well, what would happen if two actors tied? Both uh, Lin Manuel Miranda and Leslie Odom were nominated for Best Actor, and Odom won that. When Hope yeah. saw Leslie Odom at yeah. Sam, I'm, I'm just, just so mad that I forgot. Like, so mad. I, you had mentioned it, and then I, yeah. I totally spaced it until I saw like yeah. Hope's post on Instagram. See Leslie Odom tonight. I'm like, oh, so yeah. Mad she that. said, yeah, I was ticked. I was number like, one, oh. like incredibly humble, but she said like. The talent just oh, yeah. oozes yeah. out of the oh, guy. Yeah. Like he's oh, just yeah. well, I have so to say, I mean, I, the, I would say my favorite my character favorite in the Hamilton musical. I actually really like Aaron, the Aaron Burr character. Well, it in turns out from Hamilton. from what I understand, like Burr in many ways is kind of the focal. Character. He is. It's it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of to the extent that there is a narr a narrator in it. it it's yeah. Burr, right? Um, yeah. Like it's kind of his. Yeah, he, he pops in and out as kind of the, the narrator of, of uh, at the beginning uh, in a kind of really interesting ways. And, and, and again, well, one of the things is that, and I couldn't help thinking of this while I was watching this, is that Aaron Burr in Hamilton struck me as very similar to Javert in Les Miserables. Okay. If instead of, of committing suicide, Javert had actually shot Valjean. Like Aaron Burr shot Hamilton, but in a way, when he shoots Hamilton, it's a kind of suicide. It is. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, kind a, of, yeah. it's it's a it, casting out of himself. Right. Right. Well, from it's society a, it, well because he, he basically he says, he says he becomes the villain in, in history everyone's history. Like yeah. that's what yeah. he's known as. Yeah. And 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 again, I I liked again I liked the work that they did with with Burr's character and Hamilton's character. I mean, both yeah. are it's really well. So you're done saying it's no Deadpool too in terms you, of you actually like this? <laughs> I like Deadpool too. Suck. <laughs> so, are there particular things you want to talk about? I went. I've got more numbers. I went. Oh, oh god! 
to the venerable New York Times for some ideas, but let's go back. To I've got some numbers. So, yeah. um, is Hamilton the, had is the, that the numbers theme song now. I got some. Numbers. I got some numbers. Hamilton had the second best Labor Day weekend ever in 2015. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, well, who who recorded that? This, this was uh, Michael Paulson at the New York Times blog Artsbeat. I was going to say Theater Mojo. Do you want to know what the best Labor Day was? Um, wait, can we guess? Yes. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It is producers. a musical you the already mentioned. It is not the Chicago? No. Uh, rent. No. Oh, Rent would have been a good guess. Um, in the jungle. Lion King. There you go. Which There's was Lion not King. in that. Not, that song's not in the Lion King. I know, but I was trying to jog. Well, it seemed like a bad Alan's memory. It's like you teach me something and then you try to un. It also, it right in November away. 2016, broke the record for most money earned in a single week. Hakuna Matata. Is that in? Yes. yes. All right. They, they're kind of the same song. Go on. Yes. What were you saying? More numbers? <laughs> Just keep moving. Well, and then it came in at number two. The soundtrack came in at number two on Billboard's Best Albums of 2015. Okay. And number eight on Rolling Stone's list. Yeah. Both of which had the same number one album. Adele. No. No, Adele was number two, I think, on the Rolling Stone list. 2015? That's pretty, that's yes. pretty good for me, actually. 2015. Um, I have no clue. Was there a U2 album that year that would get way no, over? It was uh, Kendrick Lamar's nah. To Pimp a Butterfly. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Kendrick Lamar. So yeah. that's all the numbers I got. He's gone on to do pretty well, that Kendrick. He's Lamar. done okay. You know? yeah. He's done okay. So, But yeah, that's all I got for numbers. All right. So I had a number of questions to kind of ask you based all right. on what I've read. All right. Ask away. In essentially one article from the New York Times that might be a couple of years old. Wow. You did some deep research there. Yeah. So, um, the critic writes that Hamilton is making its own resonant history by changing the language of musicals. So that was kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about, the mm. way in which Hamilton the musical functions to change the language of musicals by including, he says, you know, rap, mm-hmm. hip-hop, R&B ballads, mm-hmm. and kind of elevating them to a point where they pack the kind of emotional power mm-hmm. that a song's supposed to have to kind of mm-hmm. move mm-hmm. a musical forward. So... Um, what's your take, having seen it? And Dan, we were talking about this mm-hmm. before yeah. the show started in terms of like thinking about the way in which different characters mimic different rap styles. Right. right. Well, and th- there's the rap, but also there's um, the King George three songs are very mm-hmm. often compared to sort of British British pop right. yeah. um, of like British invasion era. And, and I mean, again, one of the reasons that probably the film appeals, or sorry, the musical appeals to me is that yeah. in kind of the way it uses music, it is very sort of postmodern in the way that it uses music in that unlike your usual musical where there's kind of a uniformity mm-hmm. to the music, like they all, right. this, you know, because it ooh, shifts ooh. between so many is different genres. Is it a pastiche? Genres, I was waiting. It is somewhat of a pastiche, <laughs> yes. Oh, you love pastiche. I do. It, 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 well, again, you just shockingly, love pastiche. shockingly, the musical that is a pastiche of various genres of music. Yeah. somehow appeals to me. It's shocking. I know, it's shocking. Who could believe that? Uh, yeah, no, it, it's interesting in, in that it's, it's, it's almost kind of like an anti-musical in the sense that the music does not have that uniformity in terms of the orchestration and things like that, mm-hmm. but the music just works so well. Um, like you said, it, it has that emotional pitch that the, the musicals usually have. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's just brilliantly done. Like, even though... When you sit down and boil it down, you're like it is kind of this what could be seen as a somewhat jarring pastiche of musical styles. You don't feel that way during the, or I didn't feel that way during the musical at all. So, do you buy that it's going to change the language of musicals? 
this this I kind of wrestle with because I there'll think, be a lot of people who try to imitate it. Yeah, well, because well, there's going to be people that are going to try to imitate it, but they're going to come off as shallow. Right. Well, you I, know, as much as Hamilton has been celebrated by sort of the the theater and, and Broadway, I could also see ways in which that kind of the Broadway establishment might not value like might might sort of see it as kind of an upstart more culture yeah (laughs) yeah like they would they would rather see something else Um, but i think that's a lot of the criticism from hamilton comes from that as well though in that while yes it's great that you're including hip-hop and r&b and you've you've opened the theater and Mm -hmm. musical realm to people who wouldn't normally want to go see it like i love rent but one of my problems with rent as a musical is that the music gets boring and sort of old at times because yeah. it's just a musical at the end of the day. Yeah. Whereas Hamilton, I grew up listening to hip hop. Like mm-hmm. if Hamilton speaks to me outside of the narrative, the characters and everything else. Yeah. Like I can listen to the soundtrack oh, yeah. Yeah. and just enjoy the music of right. it. Oh yeah. And that that's a great pull. But on the, one of the criticisms is, is, is he just relying on hip hop the way everything else in culture is mm-hmm. right now yeah. to sell a product? Because right. I know uh, there's a new, what is it, Equalizer 2 is coming out with Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And the hip-hop has, con- the trailer has Kanye in it. Mm-hmm. And I know a trailer editor who, when the Book of Eli came out, the criticism of his first cut was that, well, that Kanye beat's a little urban. We should find another song to put underneath it. And so they swap it out. The movie doesn't do great, not because of the trailer, but like it's one of those things that now you fast forward 10, 15 years, hip-hop is everywhere being used to sell things that are traditionally not in hip-hop space. Mm. So that's one of the big criticisms is that are you just using this culture to bring people to the theater? But on the flip Mm. side, shouldn't we be finding ways to bring non-traditional audiences to the theater? So it's sort of a cultural appropriation it, which argument. Is the, right, which is yeah. the weird space that it existed because like, to say that Lin-Manuel Miranda is culturally appropriating hip-hop is a hard sell, given right. who he is. Right, right. But, but is Broadway reaping the benefits of this weird line that he's drawn in the long run that I mean it's it's selling like crazy it's still making this run it's this cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. yeah. but is it paying any real respect to hip hop and the culture that it's built on well there's an interesting flip side yeah. to that I think one it's, of, a, it's a hard question to ask one of the fairer fouls that I have is it, it's quoted by Jennifer Liebram in the Houston Chronicle but it's Freddie Harris who's the director of, of um, the company at New Jersey's Bloomfield College talking about what, what Miranda is doing and it's kind of a flip side to what I think you're saying Dan because here's the quote, quote, you are telling the story about this penniless immigrant making great and using this very diverse cast in a timely conversation with this very important message about diversity and inclusion that has been turned upside down with the cost of the tickets. Right. The message right. has been tainted somehow because it's something that is only observable by the elite. Right. Yeah. Which to his into his defense, like you talked about the ten dollar tickets, and I know that yeah, Miranda's they been doing a, been, they had the ham for ham, and for the longest they were bringing school kids in. Yeah, like yeah. they were saying we're going to do this in a specific way to bring in the kids, and so yeah. like yes, yeah. they're the, but that is one of the issues that the tickets kept getting so high right. that he had to step in at some point and say no, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. But even that doesn't really fix the problem, right? right? Because exactly. most of the tickets are five hundred bucks and. Hamilton can afford that right. you know, as a carefree right. bachelor, but exactly. the rest of us are kind of trying to figure out how we're actually going to afford to go see. Didn't Vicky go see Hamilton? <laughs> yeah, her mom paid for it, and so yeah, must be nice to have a on welfare. She went to see it essentially. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. That's I'm pretty sure that's how most welfare systems work. You know, it was a handout. There you go. Wow. Which she happily took. 
Yeah. You know. As we all would. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'd go if oh, somebody yeah. would pay for a ticket. I'd go in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would go maybe someday when I, I would have thought about it yeah. prior to the previous podcast. <laughs> and yet now I find myself somewhat disinclined. Somehow that feels <laughs> a little you. disingenuous. Yeah. I, did kind of enjoy, we're moving. I did kind of enjoy that I got an email like yesterday. There's like, new tickets for Hamilton released for 2019. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll be seeing that again for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. it's, And that's too bad in a way, too. Like, it's, yeah. it's too bad. That Broadway culture is right. so broadly disconnected from a lot of the stories it's trying to tell. Right. A lot it, of the stories, exactly. And in that way, it can be a little uncomfortable in the way that they're not just celebrating hip hop, but they're mm-hmm. cele- they celebrate poverty or and, celebrating hardship. Right. And it will even the whole again the the idea of it being sort of the original immigrant story mm-hmm. when it comes to the founding fathers and all these things. Like it's it's a great story about how all these people come together, but it's still when you think when you call that an immigration story, and there are, he brings in the issues of slavery. But when yeah. you talk mm-hmm. about that being an immigration story, it's still a very whitewashed immigration story. Oh yeah, and so that's where I want to go next, actually, because I think the the discussion about hip hop and the way music's mm-hmm. used in it reflects also race and ethnicity mm-hmm. yeah. in immigration. So oh, I've yeah, got definitely. a quote from the New York Times on both of those. Start with the race and, immig- and ethnicity and then mm-hmm. talk about immigration more specifically. So here they're talking about the casting as mm-hmm. opposed to mm-hmm. the story that's gotcha. being told. But here's the quote. Uh, quote, but these guys don't exactly look like the marble statues of the men they're portraying. For one thing, they're black or Hispanic, and when they speak, they don't speak like the Founding Fathers. Right? They, mm-hmm. they, what comes out of their mouth is like this mix of what he calls, quote, contemporary street talk, that along with wild and florid declarations of ambition. But it gets to Dan's point. Yeah. Even that description, you know, it hurts the a little. contemporary <laughs> street, street talk is, is street just a cultural. De- no. Oh, okay. God. No, no. I, I added the quotes because yeah. I felt uncomfortable saying it out. Yeah. yeah. I just want to go. In the article, no. It's yeah. just contemporary street talk or postmodern. Jive. It's very urban. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's postmodern in the way it mixes jive with the way dead white guys spoke. You know, is is excuse me, is, I speak jive. <laughs> airplane reference, right? Thank you. Yep. Classic. That, that's a film we could do at some point. Oh, we, See? Although not a lot of character development in Airplane. Uh, oh, true. God he may sake. hate that one. Yeah. So, but how expecting character development in Airplane <laughs> is a ridiculous expectation. Like it's Deadpool. Deadpool. So. Talk to me about the casting and what you think it does or does not do for like making a statement about race and ethnicity in America today. That the dead white guys are played by guys who aren't dead nor white. Well, they're obviously not dead because they're on. No, the it's stage. just a small joke to try to buy you a little time because you look like you're pondering. <laughs> I'm but pondering. You don't know yes, what to this say. is my pondering face, which is really good for for. Yeah. I was well, say then radio. I'll jump in while he ponders. Yeah. Um I think. I think on the one hand, it helps to make it accessible in that you're not, again, being someone who grew up in in a poor uh, black community, I didn't go see plays Mm because no one in a play or a musical looked like me and the stories had nothing to do with my life and how I grew up. Well, it's kind of like what what Black Panther did for audiences as well. Quite literally. But this is different in a way because... It's about... Right, but does the casting then create an argument for a broader ownership? Right, that instead of thinking of the Declaration of Independence or the first bank of the United States as sort of white right. creations, we should think of them as 
American creation well, and, I think that and that we all share in that. Well, I, think that's the goal. I think the hope yeah. is that yeah. you see a diverse cast talking about the founding of the country and these different documents that sort of create what is the democracy that we have today and the hopes that we have. Give or take democracy. Right. Hopefully not the democracy we have today. Well, yes. Yeah, right. Very Maybe the democracy we had a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, but the idea that it's, it's supposed to be an American story. Right. So if you do... Yeah. A traditional run of Hamilton with an all-white cast that is very representational. Well, it's really not an American story. It really feels right. like a white story. Well, the other thing too right. is that and we that's don't kind of the question I you yeah. know we but don't can this really be said about the music then. That the music is kind of an American form as well as a black art. Form. I think I see? think I think that we are getting to a point where the cultural elite of even Broadway or music or whatever, yeah. are realizing that hip-hop and rap really are the American art form. Right. Um, yeah. Just like jazz and blues very early on was that other music, but yeah. eventually found its way into mainstream America, mm-hmm. right. that they ha- they're they slowly releasing their that hold they have. But can we do that without appropriating it, is the question I'm asking. Oh. Right? Can we think of blues as an American art form in a way that doesn't deny sort I think of the you, original creators, but allows people to share it. But if you're way? uplifting the creators, if you're right. giving, yeah. if you're paying tribute and paying homage to where it's coming from, yeah. and I think that I don't agree with a lot of the criticism of Hamilton in the appropriation claims, yeah. because of the work that Lin Manuel Miranda has done to to make it known this is a West Coast hip hop, this is East Coast hip hop. Yeah. I got this line from Biggie. This is yeah. the East Coast West Coast rap battle that changed. Like he's been very forward with all of that. So that to me is an appropriate. That to me is bringing. Well, he's, igno- well, he's acknowledging his his right. sources. Like it's, he's not he's not passing them off as his him. own invention. Right. He's not yeah, Elvis like Presley. Would be the like that he's right. And then later on, when this. he gets in trouble for appropriation, saying, "Oh no, this was meant to be that." Like he's leading with saying, "No, I literally like you've got East Coast and West Coast having yeah. a rap battle." Over how these things are being done in Congress, like that's so what that's not unlike scholarship. You need to acknowledge. Oh yeah, I would agree. Yeah, the source material, and yeah. then that's a way in which that's why Miranda's not appropriating it in my eyes, but yeah, he yeah. is sort of sharing it. Yes, yeah. Yeah. or you know, using these these forebearers to kind of build right his own. Yeah. And I think work that, of art. and I think again, I like his his interpretation of what was happening with the founding of the country and how it's written helps. History, I think, in that for me, if whenever someone said, "Oh, well, what about American history?" I'm like, it didn't really start for me even until around the civil rights movement. Like, I don't really care about much else yeah. because there was never a focus or a way that I could attach to it. Mm-hmm. This and the arguments and the battles and the specifically the writing, like the amount yeah. of writing mm-hmm. that Hamilton did and oh, yeah. what he was writing and what he was yeah. doing. We were talking earlier, like when you talk about hip hop and how it's put together, like there's a connection that he found between Hamilton and the music that he's using that I think is good for the inner city and for black and Hispanic and all these minority youth to have a way of connecting. My all, my big fear is always that eventually someone's going to go, well, but you still don't belong here. I'm right. glad you enjoyed your musical and that mm-hmm. you got all these things and these big connections, but you're still not part of the rest of America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going back to kind of that idea is I think one of the things that's really interesting is that when we think of Alexander Hamilton, when we think of the founding fathers, and I think this opens the door to a lot of what Miranda does in Hamilton, we don't think of them as immigrants. When they are, yeah. When when right. they are. Um, and I think that opens the door because once you open the door to the idea of, you know, this is a musical about 
America's immigrant past and the founding of America by immigrants. Like right. it opens yeah. the door to a lot of what the musical does. Right. And, and when you think of it is as, okay, so then what does that really mean that we're going to sort of tell this story of the immigrants who, you know, as they say in the show, got the job done. Right. Um, I think that's part of what opens up the door and sort of lets Miranda do what he does without it being sort of cultural appropriation because he's telling that history. But the problem is that you have to still be careful because one of the other criticisms is that it's very much like America's history where a lot of white immigrants show up and the black and brown folks do all the work because Mm -hmm. when you listen to the music, that's where the musical is doing all the work is in the lyrics. So yes, you're telling the story of immigrant America, Mm -hmm. but the work is still being done by the unseen force, which is the history of hip-hop in R&B in America. Does that get embodied at all, though, in the diverse casting? I think so. Like, does that help to kind of address that it's not... Yeah. Just white people. Had it, right. had it been an all lines. white cast trying to deliver those lines at that speed and the oh, way yeah. hip hop is done, this would have been a train wreck. Way right. it would have been like a comedy, yeah. like right. an unintentional. Well, which I think is going to be the issue going forward is that like Jeff Kelly here is he wants to put on Hamilton, but he knows looking at Misericordia's uh, campus, he can't. Yeah, no, that's like, not. And here, here's the weird thing: you're afraid of putting on a play and casting a white. George Washington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, that's a good, right. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's, good, weird thing that we have, but that's one of the issues is that this plays run, again, you're not going to get it to show up in the back mountain because who's going to play these characters without there being backlash that you didn't cast Aaron Burr as a black man. Right. Yeah. That's why we should do Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, <laughs> except we should adapt it to, to, to the current presidency. Ooh. I don't mind that idea. But a moment ago, you guys mentioned immigration. Yes. So the New York Times also talked about immigration. And he says that, in talking about immigration, he says the show does what, quote, rap artists have been doing for years. It's, um, it's the immoderate language mm-hmm. of youth, ravenous and ambitious, wanting to claim and initial everything in reach as their own. Yeah. I don't like it, but yeah. (laughs) Which turns out to be, he says, the perfect voice for expressing the thoughts and drives of the diverse immigrants in the American colonies who came together to forge their own contentious, contradictory nation. Yeah. So what what does the musical say then about contemporary immigration politics? I mean, it certainly debuted before our current president. Yes. Yeah. But our current president has certainly kind of stirred the hornet's nest. Well, and they also had, there was the performance that, that Vice President Mike Pence went to right. where the cast sort of confronted him at Called the him end. out. Yeah. Yeah. I, just the, the indignation on the part of the right that yeah. somebody would do that. Well, the theater's supposed to be a safe space. Well, you just entertain, right? Yes. Like your well, job is to entertain yeah. LeBron James yeah. or Lin-Manuel. No, his job is to dribble. Which is to just just entertain. Go back, just yeah, go back but, to dribbling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was weird, though, that when Kanye spoke up in favor of Trump, that kind of celebrity outspokenness was embraced by the right. It's yeah. hard for me to understand the, I don't the know. position I can't figure, they're I can't taking. Put my I feel on. like you're being somewhat facetious there because I think you actually do <laughs> understand the difference. <laughs> no, I understand the difference. I don't understand how they see the, that there's no difference there. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so what's the show say about immigration? This question's too hard. I should have, like... No. <laughs> Patrick slowly reaches... I'm just pondering coffee. again. You've talked about it a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, you I mean, again... Well, they I, got the work done. They weren't going to well, give but up I, their I, shot. Well, but I think it also... I mean, and again, I think a lot of this, um, you know, involves the casting, it involves the music, is, again, sort of... 
um, in a way, it, it sort of locates the idea of America as a nation of immigrants at its very founding, which is something I think this day and age we don't really think of. Well, I think America at its founding had forgotten that many of them mm-hmm. were immigrants, quite frankly. <laughs> as well, you know? yeah. Even a guy like Hamilton, right. they, uh, you know, didn't want to be seen as an immigrant. An immigrant, right? He wanted to be seen as an American, and he had kind of an entree to being an American mm-hmm. yeah. that African Americans oh, sure. did not have right. at that point in American history, or Native Americans, or, like anybody who wasn't white who happened right. to be right. there. Um, well, I think it's, I think it's, but it, I, and that's, that's where the casting sometimes still gets me is that there are a lot of people who will not see and will not digest this play for what it is and what it's trying to say yeah. simply because of the casting. Like they don't want to go see American history rewritten with all of these different races uh, representing the founding fathers. And that's an issue because it's a story about Americans founding and it's being an immigrant story. And those are the folks who should probably hear this right. story, but the music of it and the casting of it is turning away a large part of the population who are those who yeah. probably truly need to see it. But at the same time, I know a lot of the early reviews were like, I had never listened to hip hop and rap before, and I saw this play, this musical, and mm-hmm. I now find myself listening to the Kendrick Lamars and all these different things because yeah. it was a gateway into, oh, there's actually something in that musical form. And yeah. so I worry that we're still at a point as a society where if it looks a certain way or it sounds a certain way, well, that's just not for me. And yet, given the price of the tickets, it seems like Miranda has found kind of a sweet spot yeah. that is appealing enough to people with a lot of money mm-hmm. yeah. to keep coming to see it. Right. So I hope you're wrong, but I hear where you're yeah. coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it is, um, it's not, like, it's it's political. Yeah. Oh, it's in, very, well, and, the, and I think like, part, I think. In, in contemporary society, yeah. it's political. It's about who we are and ask these fundamental questions yeah. about the way in which race has functioned in shaping who we are. And yeah. who right. Well, and, and I think, again, I think the, the casting and the music and all of it, there's a way in which that what the musical does in terms of race and immigration is that it holds sort of a, a convex mirror up to the way that we want to remember or the way that we sort of imagine our history being the kind of whitewashed version of history that that there's a way in which that that the very um sort of stark way that it presents a different face to that history i think you know is holding up something to american society that that it tends to want to ignore a different mirror yeah perhaps like a different way ronald takaki would say yeah of, of looking at ourselves. And, I think, well, and, 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 and it very much, I mean, kind of, th- you mentioned Takaki. I think that's, because Takaki's point in a different mirror yeah. is that, you know, the history of America is the history of these immigrant groups, and not in isolation from each other, stories. but in sort of the way that they yeah. fit together. And so, yeah, that that it holds up via the casting, via the, and, and probably via the casting more than anything else, um, a different kind of mirror and, and kind of forces us to kind of rethink the ways in which we conceptualize America. And that history. is in a like kind of necessarily jarring to people mm-hmm. who imagine American history right. as a collection of names and dates. Right. And wars. And and wars for, for you, yeah. And, and wars. But I you know, there was a one of the historians I follow on Twitter yesterday was trying to argue with somebody who was saying, when I took history in high school, like there was no bias in it. It was just facts. Just facts. That's right. And he was trying to explain to them, but 
who chose those, those facts. facts and who arranged those facts. <laughs> <and> History. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's one of the most the fascinating hand things. of history, like the I hand of the market. I think about this, as, like, as the New York Times pointed out, Hamilton's not the star of this. The star of this thing is history. History. Mm-hmm. Right? history. It's, he says, the, quote, collision of time and character that molds the fate of nations and their inhabitants. Mm-hmm. So he says the, ev- the, um, the evening's DJ is, in fact, history. Mm-hmm. But that asks people, like Dan says, to think about history in a way that I think a lot of Americans don't want to. Oh, no, no. They want to imagine a collection of facts as assembled in a textbook, mm-hmm. put together to, to be as bland and milk toast as possible, to mm-hmm. sell as broadly as possible, right. and thus becomes this incredibly whitewashed version. Right. And this old white guy on Twitter, of course, is like, there's no bias in that. And that's a lie. It's just a way. <laughs> of course, it's a yeah. lie. Like it's it's a bald faced lie. Well, and I mean, and, and again, like the idea that his history book was full of facts. Well, that's great. But yeah. what facts weren't there? Right. Like yes, a bunch of white guys got together and wrote some documents, and that created the American democracy and the country that we live in. All right, but what what else happened? Like who yeah. was running the households? Like and how did how were they not the only, only ones, ones who created that? Exactly. Right? That, that like eight guys essentially <laughs> sat down and made this happen. Right, is kind of on the face of it preposterous. But exactly, it's a really safe, mm-hmm. conventional mm-hmm. history that reinforces the social system as it exists right. today. Well, well, and that's one. And of there's the no that- bias in that. It's one of Until the things you step that, outside and you see there's a system, right? right. Well, it's one then of the things that like, the musical oh. actually deals with. Is kind of, I mean, the, you know, the idea of the story of history that that mm-hmm. right the way in which that because you know there there's I mean obviously there's the the song that Aaron Burr sings you know the room with the room where it happens mm-hmm. where he's not in the room where Hamilton and Jefferson and Madison in the musical right sat down and basically hammered out the deal that got the banking system in place and gave Washington, D.C. to the South as the capital. Right. Uh, there's that absence. There's the idea in the musical of... Um, and one of the things that I really liked is that Eliza Hamilton and the role that she plays in the musical, that there's the song Burn, where she mm-hmm. literally burns the letters she has that would have shown her side and would have shown Hamilton's side of, of the scandal and the affair, and, and she very consciously burns those and and there's that that sort of absence right, right. Um, the history doesn't what is the line? history doesn't get to know how she reacted or something yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that she does they the history doesn't get to know how right. she reacted mm-hmm. but then the way in which the the musical actually ends with the emphasis on Eliza and mm-hmm. what she did because she lived so much longer right um, yeah. that she kind of becomes the final focal point of the musical right. um, in the, right. the, 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 the you know, who lives, who dies, who tells the story. So we haven't the even. The musical kind of positions her as the one who gets to tell the story. We haven't even gotten to gender yet. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Which is also not part of that traditional, yeah. you know, history. white male kind right. of yeah. driven history. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that's one of the things that I, particularly the end of the musical, I think is very much positioning Eliza and thus women as central in right. that history in the same way that it does in terms of race. Right. Which, duh, of course they were, but we never <laughs> think about right. it. Or we don't talk well, about it. It's not the myth we've created. What's the one play that they do in every... Is it John Adams? No. The one that's... Is it John Adams? There's a play where the wife... The wife of one of the presidents... I can't remember. I'll think of it. Mm. Keep going. Might be Abigail. Uh, yes, Abigail. Right, yeah. Who writes but that the, famous letter? Like, right. like, as you're putting this government together, remember the ladies. And so I think that's the only time 
in most culture when we think about that point in time where you have sort of that female pers- the female perspective of what was going on at that point in time. Right. Outside where, of that, that's really Whereas it. you could read right. Phyllis Wheatley's poetry too, right? right? And get, you know, a very different yeah. view of America. perspective yeah. on America. Right. But so in the end, the New York Times said that Hamilton is among, it was about, among other things, who owns history? Yeah. Who gets to be in charge of the narrative? And to me, that's kind of the where our conversation is mm-hmm. naturally Right. Leading, right? Lynn Manuel Miranda is trying to say that the Ron Chernows of the world aren't the only ones who own that mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Right? That well, but I think that the moment that, and again, this this fits in with sort of the very sort of postmodern bent of the, the musical is yeah. that once you accept the idea that history is not fact history is not objective that history is in fact How a story dare you, sir. it's a narrative i know <laughs> dare you i know i know you can go back to your dates and wars after the show <laughs> um, that once you accept that it is a a, it's cons- a conversation that it's a, or that it's, it's a that every history is a constructed history yeah. what makes what miranda is doing in hamilton in terms of the the history the story the narrative that he constructs right that's any less legitimate than any of the other histories, that they're all constructed. They're right. all right. But the beauty of stories. Hamilton is it's constructed beyond the written word. Right. right. It's constructed the way it's cast. Mm-hmm. It's constructed oh, yeah. in the way it's performed. All of that's in, yeah, all of that's and part so, of the construction. And so, like, he's constructing a history on a lot of different levels, mm-hmm. one of which seems kind of a traditional right. kind of under Like, you know, if you've read a lot of American history, you know about Hamilton in the bank. You know mm-hmm. about the trades that were made. You know the duel like that right. kind of is still the stuff of this story right. mm-hmm. until you see how it's staged and right. sung mm-hmm. and performed right. and in that way Miranda's making a huge argument mm-hmm. or a huge claim to history right. not only then but now right oh yeah right like he's constructing the narrative oh, sure. of who we are or who we were but right. also as a result or a consequence who we are today but that idea of staging i think is really important because like we talk about Miranda staging history, but in a way, all histories are staged. I that, think that 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 there's a stagecraft to all of them. Sure. And so, you know, some of the things that Miranda's doing, I think, call, you know, in terms of the casting, in terms of the music, sort of call attention not just to the way in which he's staging, you know, this version of history, yeah. but the way in which that all history is staged. That would be a terrific lesson for people to walk away with, right? Yeah. That history is not like this agreed upon right. set of facts well, but in peace and war, but it's a, a, it's a, a conversation, it's a, yeah. and it's stories that we well, that mean, we we tell. Because the great the great conceit of stories is that like every story has a beginning and an end mm-hmm. in history. Like you can yeah. find the place where the story began and the place where the story ended. And anybody who's lived a life knows no, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Like you can look back and kind of you know, create a structure around your life that mm-hmm. helps to create, like, a biography. Right. right. But a lot of it's just, like, moving to the next day. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's the idea of the framing. Like, any story that's told is to- told through someone's lens. Mm-hmm. So, right. like, going back to that tweet, like, yes, your history book was full of facts and there was no bias yeah. because you didn't see the level where the bias right. was put in. Because right. it was numerous steps before you mm-hmm. got right. to you. And right. there are cases now where I know in Texas they were they were they called it voluntary immigration. Oh yeah. Is how they rephrase slavery. Yeah. So that, you know, 20, 30 years from now someone's gonna go, Well, in my history book there was no slavery. Right. So slavery 
slavery couldn't have happened. It's like, well, no, it happened. That entire movement of people occurred. What you choose to call it is irrelevant. It happened and there are consequences. It's the framing and how you choose to tell that story. And I think we've seen throughout all of, specifically looking at American history, like how history is told, who lives, who dies, who tells the mm-hmm. story, yeah. who's telling that story really determines right. that next generation's battles. Yeah. Right, but what Miranda's done in this really kind of fascinating way is he's taking taking the work of Ron Chernow, who's mm-hmm. kind of like traditional oh, yeah. historian writing about Alexander Hamilton, and transformed it into something mm-hmm. yes. for public consumption. And one of the things historians don't do particularly well <laughs> is take their academic work Right. And actually share it with people in a way that's not loaded with jargon or presupposes so much knowledge. Right. That people can't just kind of jump into it. Right. Like there's an entire historiography that surrounds the work that you're doing. He's taken it and he's made it accessible Mm -hmm. to the masses. Well, I think that, A, if someone on this podcast did numbers, it'd be great to see if there was an increase in sales of that book. After the play came out, oh, I'm sure there was. No one does. How could there not have been? But no one does numbers around here, so he doesn't need to do numbers. He he just (laughs) knows that. (laughs) Listen, that's just yeah. They don't need numbers for that. Um, But I think that that's. I think you're right. That I think not even just historians. I think the academy as a whole. That's an issue. Is that there's all this great work that's being done looking at these little pockets of history and literature and all these things. That if someone were to then say, okay, how do we transform this into something contemporary? that's easily digestible, people will then go back to the original work and then read that so that, yes, you watched and listened to and have consumed all of Hamilton the musical and you understand it in this lens, but now let's go back and read the text that was the spark for it. And then you've learned there are different lenses because the book is not the musical. And the thing that Manuel uh, uh, Miranda does especially well, I think, that like really distinguishes this is he not only does that, but he makes it matter mm-hmm. to the world in which we live in today. Right. Like that, oh, so when I take history classes, it's not just a bunch of dry names and dates that I'm memorizing but don't have any meaning. Right. That it is essential to understand the foundations of this country if we want to address issues of race and yep. immigration and gender inequality. Right. So I have numbers. <laughs> oh, good. So apparently, this is according to the USA Today. Following uh, Hamilton's Tony Award wins, the 11 awards it won, um, Chernow's book zoomed up to number eight on USA Today's best-selling book list, the highest it had ever been. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So it is it is doing that. Even for mm-hmm. people who don't see the musical, I suppose they're going back to read right. it. You just hope they get the lesson that we're yeah. talking about right. here, which is Chernow's not the final word right. on Hamilton right. any more than Lin-Manuel Miranda is yeah. or like – well, and, and there were, and that's one of the early arguments about it was the the fact that well, if you want diversity in media and all these things, you can't go and remove white people from media and, and stories. So that that's the argument is that you've you've, I guess, dark casted the play so that you don't yeah. have as many white people playing it. It's like right, but don't forget that HBO did a series on Hamilton, so there is a version with mm-hmm. an all white represented cast right. that exists of this work. Uh, or this story, yeah. so this is just a different lens. And so often right. when things are whitewashed, it's because there is no other version. The version you're giving of history or the story, the first one you choose to tell tends to be what people go off of. And if there aren't different lenses put on that story, that's an issue. But there are tons of lenses on the Hamilton story, and so it's, we've it's, taken nothing away from it's it. It's probably worth watching. I haven't ever watched it. I've seen a little uh, – But like the HBO Hamilton stuff – 
is probably worth was that, watching. No, that was Adams. Adams, sorry, Adams. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, like, but it was, it was, like, not yeah, Hamilton, I, but the story. But again, yeah, but it's, it was so, the Adams miniseries. Right, but around see, all of like what was going on. Like a predominantly white cast. Right. Oh, yeah. Because the story that Hamilton tells is a story that's populated primarily by white people. Right. Because of the systems that existed exactly. already before the country existed. We had these systems in place. Right. And I've so got more numbers, by the way. The oh, casting, God. I think, does a, a brilliant kind of job of saying, but we don't have to think about it that way. And I think that's that's always been the fun takeaway for me was that you don't have to think of history in the way it was taught to you, that there's so right. much more to explore about it. And so that, yes, this is, these are the dates, the numbers, the wars, the facts, blah, 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 blah. But there's so much interpretation in between them right. that you can do more with. And I think you're right. That's what Miranda does really well is saying, yep, here's beginning to end what happened. Yeah. Here's a really fun way of looking and listening. Yeah. Right. Like, well, but again, that you can once, do it with art. You once know? you like, realize yeah, that all of beautiful. history is an interpretation, right? it opens it up to... Interpretation. Interpretation, yeah. <laughs> right. Anyhow, more numbers. So, oh boy. again, from the USA Today. Chernow's book was an instant bestseller when it was first published, landing at number 21 on the USA Today list. And then it fell down, and then after the musical, it moved up into the top 50, and then the top 40, and then the top 20, and then once it won the awards, it broke back into the top 10. So, yes, clearly the success of the musical benefited the book. If I could just get... From concentration camp to campus turned into a musical. You're saying the sales would be reinvigorated. Possibly. Yeah, there you go. That's yes. If, well, turned into a successful musical. <laughs> that's a fair point. We that should probably. We should probably. Successful might be the problematic. Part yeah, of that that's too. the problem. Like, we. I, I mean, think about we could it. probably turn it into a musical on this podcast. But would it be successful? Uh, and should we? Different story. <laughs> mm, should we? It's got such lame miser I mean, apes. I'm okay with. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not concentration camp to campus. Like that's such a catchy title for a musical. It is catchy in one way. Can't you just well, campus rhymes with they Krampus. Were, well, so they were also caught from, from concentration camp to Krampus. Now we've got oh, the matchup. Oh, that's <laughs> it's like a sequel to oh, the last one. You're God, that feels. Even I can see that that's going to get really inappropriate <laughs> yeah. really fast. Like yeah, we should. I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that idea. We should probably avoid that. Yeah, yeah. we should. Yeah, I would we say should. That, that seems. That seems fair. Yeah. yeah. So there have been some criticisms that, mm-hmm. that the, the musical turns Hamilton into something that he wasn't. Right. And not just in terms of, like, the skin color of the actor playing him. See, I don't understand those people that feel like more a man inter- of the people that their that entertainment really based on history has to be so strictly accurate. So you don't understand yourself. I don't think that's true. Frost versus Nixon is is Exhibit A, and your demand that's, for that's absolute totally historical accuracy. Not in absolute, all cases. but that's totally different. So, is there anything in Hamilton that bothered you in terms of no. historical inaccuracy? No, because it's a musical. I'm not expecting historical accuracy from the the show in which everybody's singing. Uh, Have you listened to this podcast ever before? What's your point? <laughs> <laughs> Mu- musicals already have a certain element of the fantastic to them that I don't really expect musicals to, you know, be historically accurate. So when the historian Sean Wilentz writes that Alexander Hamilton, quote, was more a man for the 1% than the 99%, it doesn't bother you that the musical kind of turns him into uh, an up-from-under kind of hero? No. Okay. See, I, th- I think it's fair. I think you can actually yeah. be both. Right. Right? Yeah. He, you can be a guy that's oh, – he, he clearly conquers great odds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you do and you achieve that perch at the top, I think you become all the more 
exclusive or yeah. defensive about making sure everyone has more. Every, yeah, that people aren't like taking it away from. Yeah, right. Well, and, and from you, but I mean, if you think this is a way, musical that depicts Hamilton as as flawed, so is Hamilton? Does he help us better understand the era of Trump? Then Trump is a one percenter mm-hmm. who clearly presents as not. Well, right? like if you think about the language, he I uses, would say he clearly tries to present as not. But, but I don't know that he but, does to anyone. Well, to a certain percentage yeah, of Americans. True. To it, a large percentage of Americans. Yeah, that's works. true. That's you know, depressing. I think we've talked about um, Trevor Noah talking about Trump's language and mm-hmm. the power of his language. It well, yeah. like to communicate yeah. with people who feel disaffected. Mm-hmm. Right? Trump's not facing the same kinds of problems they are. But So I, I just I wonder if that's kind of a recurrent motif in American history is that we never really have a populist who comes – from the bottom up, we have people who assume the language of it for mm-hmm. political power, but govern for themselves and not for the masses. I would argue that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, just a thought. I mean, well, because when you think about it, yeah, I mean, most politicians who try to almost play down to their base have nothing to do with their base. Right. They've never yeah. lived the life of their base, and so yeah. I think that's a fair argument yeah i always feel bad for politicians when they show up in like the really starched blue jeans that they clearly never wear in their lives <laughs> they go to like a grocery store yeah and they try to act like they're one yeah. of it's just like like we all know it's not find true. something like, else just let it let it go you like the starch yeah. jeans are they're never good you should yeah. never starch your jeans that's ridiculous do you just, start your jeans no i just iron them flat you iron jeans you didn't know this He's i don't a put a crease iron because that would be ridiculous but i do iron them flat I like a nicely ironed pair. I iron everything, pretty much. He does really iron everything. T-shirts. I just... Okay. I just don't... I don't iron sheets, and I don't iron underwear. Like, I draw the line there. But getting back back to Hamilton, (laughs) I wonder, you guys both have been... I was about to say anything that people see, I iron. Socks? No, don't iron socks. Okay. But I can see your socks. No, but you dare... Boy, you know what he's going to do when he gets home today? (laughs) Get all the socks out. (laughs) So... Did you have a favorite song? And you guys both know the song so well. Maybe you guys want to do yeah, a song it's, for us. It's really hard for me to narrow down a song because I like, a, like all the songs are so different. Is there a Hamilton Burr number you guys could do together, like uh, Javert and Valjean? Oh, there's the uh, the Probably the not. what is it? Um, I don't sing on on microphones. No, what is it? Uh, <laughs> I obedient, thought you were more. Oh, there's to the obedient servant song. To... The obedient servant song. Oh, at the end, yeah. That's a, a good dot one. ham. <laughs> could just be p dot ham. D. Kim. It actually does kind of work. Yeah, kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do um, it though. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I really, I mean, I really like uh, the room where it happens. Uh, one of Aaron Burr's song. I love all of King George's songs because they're just hilarious. Yeah. But it, like, I, I have a tough time. Like, okay. I think part, uh, partially, it's because it's very like you know, you usually have a musical where all the music has a certain. Right. Similarity and so like the one song yeah. that kind of breaks out of that stands out. The songs are all so different that that they all kind of stand out in a way. Like the cabinet battle is hilarious. And see, I and I love the cabinet battles. Yeah, um, yeah. just for the speed and the amount of words, the amount of words in Hamilton alone. Yeah, blow yeah. most musicals out of the water. Yeah, but the speed yeah. and the way the battles are delivered are very true to rap battles. And so those are probably some of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but cool. Dear Theodosia is also one of my favorites. Yeah, like that's yeah. The, I can't really narrow it down to one because they're so different. Yeah. And they're all so very, very good. So um, is Hamilton then your favorite musical of all time? Oh of the musicals you've seen? 
Okay, so what of, of that I've seen? So I've seen Les Mis, I've right. seen Avenue Q, I've seen Book of Mormon, I've seen Wicked, I've seen yeah. I've seen Hamilton. That's um, a that's a that's a pretty solid list. Yeah, right I mean, there. yeah, I guess, well, I'm uh, really going to see five or six. I'm also right. I'm not counting the ones that we did in high school because then I've also seen Cabaret, Forty Second Street, Singing in the Rain. In high like school, no, but like the, like in terms of Broadway professional productions, Rent. Would you like? Oh yeah, you Rent. Think about like Rent, which you saw. At the yeah, Scranton. Rent, which I saw at Scranton. Yeah, Rent, but yeah, Rent, like me, yeah, I'd put it. Down. Uh, yeah, it's hard. Hamilton's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, I, I need to listen to the soundtrack like probably a hundred more times, but right. Yeah, it, it's it's. I've, I've done that. Yeah, like that. Like I've listened <laughs> to the soundtrack once. I've seen the play. Like, but I, Hamilton, and again, one of the things that I found really brilliant about the show, yeah, is it's fairly minimalist in terms of the staging. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of set work, and so. It really hinges on the performances, and the performances are extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like Hamilton's definitely up there, near number one, if not number one. I really, I really liked Hamilton. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's probably between Hamilton and Les Mis for me. Okay. Because um, well, Les I Mis saw, historically has always been my favorite. I love Les Mis. When but, I saw the Great Comet, it was pretty brilliant too. Yeah. I mean, that's when you should have seen, and it was sort of more diversely casted as well despite yeah, right. the fact that it takes place in Russia yeah yeah. Um, but yeah no Hamilton I mean like you yeah. know Hamilton in terms of the staging uh, mm-hmm. the choreography oh, which uh, by the way I, didn't, I thought you would appreciate this in terms of the choreography yeah because the choreographer is from Cincinnati oh really and I have a quote from Andy Blankenbuehler where he says quote I think Cincinnati from the University of no, he's from, from Cincinnati. Well, they've got a big they've got a big theater. I think Cincinnati in the middle of the country have a calmness about it that people like me who are a bit more colorful pop up and that like-minded people find each other and I think that's an exciting thing too. There you go. We're calm so, but colorful people. I thought you would enjoy the, the the celebration of Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. And and Ohio more generally. But so yeah, I definitely I'd have to say Hamilton is up there with Les Mis. Yeah. Um, well, a good Les is a is a really good show. Because yeah, Hamilton was just it was yeah it was an amazing performance. The only other one I'd throw in the mix would be American Idiot. See, I haven't seen that one, which really spoke to me in part because I, mean, I love I love the original right. album, but I haven't, I haven't seen yeah. the play. Um, the, the, the musical is I think pretty spectacular. Yeah. So, but yeah, Hamilton, it's it's yeah. So unlike Deadpool, everybody's saying thumbs up on Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I can go beyond. I didn't hate it. My thumb Hamilton. was up on Deadpool, just not as up. Well, there's a Deadpool joke waiting to happen. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, your, thumb, <laughs> your thumb was up where? Or, like, what's the Deadpool joke? But, like, there's... My yeah. thumb was up... But not as up. It was semi-up. Ooh, please find a better way to end this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, we should end on a stronger point. Um, I really don't know what that point is. I would say that... Oh, to end on numbers... No, oh, I would have to say that Hamilton. Pretty good. Hamilton pretty was entirely good. worth the amount of money that I spent on the ticket. Really? Yes. Okay, that's fair. well. That's yeah. a, a, knowing right. you and yeah. how tight you are with your money, except for Legos and comics. In comics, that's um, a pretty high compliment. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. It was because I spent a lot of money on Hamilton. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a kind of kind of little braggly. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. No, it, it yeah. was. It was. I have a lot of money. No. Subtext. Hey, ladies, I don't have. I don't ladies, have a lot of money. I have, I have a lot of disposable income because it's yeah. just me. Sounds like a Hamilton thing to say about Hamilton. 
Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, but yeah. So in terms of numbers, completely worth what I paid. So after all the like socio-cultural conversation we've had about it, you're going to boil it down to how much you spent on it. You wanted a better like ending. I'm trying to give you a better ending. That's but better what for I'm us, but not is, better for you. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> it's actually, it's better for everyone because you get to now mock me, <laughs> which I realize I don't really have to provide opportunities for, but please feel free. Here's my gift one to of, you. One of your primary skills is opening doors for people to mock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's what I do, <laughs> and I do it well. You do it well.